I'd ask that you would turn with me to the same passage I just read from John chapter 8. A few minutes ago, I read the extended text of John 8 during the confession time, where we saw Jesus and the Pharisees, or sometimes they're described or just labeled the Jews, have a conversation or discussion with Jesus. It's often a debate, it's an argument. But I want to focus our eyes and hearts on what's often been described as the second I am statement in John. John gives us many I am statements. John 6.35, I am the bread of life. John 10.7, I am the gate. John 10.11, I am the good shepherd. John 11.25, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. And in John 15, I am the true vine. Now, I skipped over the I am that I'm going to read now. And so, if you will look with me at verse 12 of John 8, again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I think I was about 10 years old. I woke up in my basement room of the duplex on Faculty Row in Northland. I had a basement room, and like old basements, it only had those small little windows, and so it was a very dark room. It was in the middle of the night, no lights, no nightlights, and I woke up after a nightmare with feelings of fear and sadness, terror, and I cried out for help. I tried to get, I did get out of my bed, and I moved all over the room trying to find some source of escape or light, and I couldn't, and I screamed, and I cried out until I heard somebody moving outside, and my dad opened the door, in came light, in came the presence of my father, and there was a relief from fear, sadness, there was help. Darkness can be a very terrifying thing, especially when you can't get out of that darkness, Guess one of the one of the fears that some of us may have here in this passage, Jesus says something quite boldly. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I want to give you four questions about this verse that are answered throughout the Gospel of John, really this book, the Bible, but are also spoken to in this chapter, chapter 8. Four questions I want to give to you this morning, first of all. 
Who is the one who speaks this way? What does he offer? What does it mean to follow him? And why don't everybody follow him? Why doesn't everybody follow him? So the first question is, who is the one who speaks this way? When I say speaks this way, I mean, who gets up? What human being gets up and proclaims to everybody, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness, but you'll have the light of life. That's what a claim. Well, we, the answer is quick. I mean, you see it in verse 12. It says, Jesus, again, Jesus spoke to them. The Apostle Paul writes this gospel so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ. That's not just Jesus Christ. That's not just a last name of Jesus. That is a title. It means the anointed one. It is the Messiah. The king promised in the Old Testament who would come and rescue his people. That you must believe that Jesus, I write this gospel, and he wrote John chapter 8, so that we would believe. He wrote the signs that we see, and we're going to see another sign of him healing the blind man next week. I write these that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God, and that by believing, you will have life in his name. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you will have the light of life. He is the one that makes this great claim. He's the born, man born of Bethlehem, a man who grew up the son of a carpenter. He's a man whose brothers don't even yet believe in him, according to chapter 7. A man who's causing quite a stir in Israel, a man that they want to arrest, they want to stone at the end of this chapter. He's a man that they want to kill, and they are attacking him and even call him a man that has a demon in him. He was the man who had the power to forgive and forgave the, the adulterous woman in the, chapter, in the section below, before, who heals the lame, has turned water into wine. In this chapter, we see that he is the one in verse 18. Look with me. He is sent by the Father. He says, I am the one who bears witness about myself and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. I am sent by my Father and He bears testimony that I am the real deal. Verse 42 I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but He sent me. We come this morning and hear a passage, a very bold statement that should ring true to us this morning, and it's sent from the one who was sent from heaven. He's also described as the one who's going away to be lifted up. Verse 21, Jesus says, I'm going away and you'll seek me and you'll die in your sins. Where I'm going, you can't come. And they're saying, what's going on? Why is he saying this? Is he going to kill himself? What is he saying? He's going to go away and no one can come follow him. He says, I'm going away. Verse 28, you'll seek me. You'll die in your sins. And it says where in verse, actually in verse 28, he's going to say, he said, he's going to say, I am going to go and I'm going to be lifted up. He's the one from heaven. Verse 23, 
You're from below. I'm from above. You're of this world, and I am not of this world. This is the one who speaks to us. He's the one who speaks from the Father. Verse 38, I speak of what I have seen from my Father, and you do not and you do what you have heard from your father. And here's now what we're getting into. What we're going to see here is he's going to use this father language. I come from my father, capital F, and you just do what's natural from your father. And they want to think that their father is Abraham, and in one sense it is. He is, their, he is one of their... He is one of their great forefathers, but he's going to say, your real father is seen by the nature in which the way you live. Who is this one that speaks such way? Well, we find in verse 58 a bold and a crazy, amazing statement. At at 57, the Jews say to him, "You're, you're talking about Abraham, and Abraham, he thought about your day. How could Abraham... Our great forefather, ever think about your day. You're not even 50 years old, Jesus. And Jesus says, verse 58, truly, truly, listen up. I want you to take take note of this. I say to you, before Abraham was, he doesn't just say, so was I, or I was with him. He says, I am. There he's making a bold statement. He's saying, When Abraham was, before he was, I existed. But he uses a phrase, I am, that every Jew would have heard and said, is he claiming right now the very title of Yahweh, of God? I am who I am that was proclaimed to Moses, this phrase, I am. Tell them, Moses, when you go to the people of Israel, who told you to lead me, us out of Egypt against slavery? And he says, tell them I am sent you. Jesus says before Abraham was, I am. That's the only reason why we can explain why after saying that, they pick up stones to throw at him because in their minds he's committing blasphemy. He's claiming to be God. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And it's a claim that only God can truly make. David sings a psalm in Psalm 37, or Psalm 27. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. He's my light. Isaiah 42, 16, I will lead the blind, God says, in a way that they do not know, in paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do. I will not forsake them. Or in Isaiah 60, the sun shall be no more light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Or in 1 John 1, where we'll be studying on Wednesday. 1 John 1, 5, this is the message we heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in him there is no no darkness at all. Do we hear, as we hear one of the most glorious claims that has a call to us, an offer to us, as well as requirements to us, 
Who is this that speaks such? Do we really know who this Jesus is? Do we really believe him? Do we really believe he has the authority to talk this way, make radical, exclusive claims like he does in this passage? No one talks this way. I am the light of the world. Unless you follow me, you'll be in darkness. But if you follow me, you'll have the light of life. No one talks this way unless they're God. I am the light of the world, he says. Really? Either Jesus is confused or he's a con or he's crazy, or he's truly Christ. He is Christ. He's the Lord of the world, and claims are true. And so I pray this morning as we come, we would sit here and just not take for granted the glory and the beauty of that day after day, week after week, we open this book and we hear the claims of Jesus Christ. And I pray that our hearts would ring and we would see ring with a type of joy and a belief and a faith and a responding appropriately to this Jesus. So who is this person that talks this way? And secondly, what's being offered? Well, he offers those who follow him that you will have the light of life. See this? Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the life of the light of life. Jesus offers that to those who follow him, they'll have the light of life. Light and life. This is a theme that we find throughout John's writings, both in John's letters that we're going to see on Wednesday nights and here in this book of the Gospel of John. We're going to see this ahead in John chapter 12 where Jesus says, the light is among you for a little while longer. He's saying that because he knows he's going to be crucified and he's going to go back into heaven. And he says, well, he says, walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. We, we started John's gospel when John writes the prologue. It's not Jesus writing but it's John writing, and he says, in him, in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. And in this chapter, he talks with the Pharisees and Jews. He shows us a little bit more of what this light of life looks like, and he offers himself as the light of the world. Notice what he offers in this, just even in this chapter alone. He says, if you come to me, verse 32, you will receive truth that will set you free. Verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And he's saying that is if you abide in my word, you're true my, truly my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and it will set you free. That's what he offers, freedom. And that's why right then they didn't understand what he's saying. What are you talking about? We're not slaves. We're, we're free people. We're, it's kind of ironic because they were slaves of Rome in many ways. But they're thinking in terms of Jesus, and they didn't get that Jesus is talking at a very important and spiritual level of the human heart and the darkness that was there. And he is the light that brought a truth that brought freedom brings freedom. What does Jesus offer 
He offers to set free us from our sins by the Son. Verse 36, he says, The slave does not remain in the house forever. The Son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And then he goes on to talk about this slavery to their, that's bound to their, their old father that's a liar and a murderer, and that's where they're consumed in their evil desires. We're going to see this in a minute. Jesus offers freedom from sin, and he offers that they will never see death, 51. Truly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The la- my family had a, had a nice but quick week. We went to Minnesota. Thankful for that. And we, I was able to do a, a funeral for a dear family member who is such a godly saint. Died at 94. In fact, I had two examples of that in the last two months. 94 and then Grandpa Monday in August, September and August of two dear woman and man who lived a long life, and even though their death, it brings grief to our hearts in one sense because we miss them. They do not die in their sins, as Jesus is going to talk about, but because Jesus gave them the light of life, their death was not this great darkness, and there is not the tasting of death of which Jesus talks about to those who die in their sins. Dear friends, what Jesus offers in this passage is a gift that is indescribable. I can't adequately describe it to you. Words are inadequate to properly explain or display or portray or unfold what he means when he says, "You, will res- I am the light of life to all who follow me. Oh, I wish that I could better understand it. I'm only growing to understand it. I Pray, God, would you help me to understand the promises and the plan that you have towards us. But, but friends, young and old, my children, those that are members of faith, visitors, unbelievers, oh, I pray that God in his spirit would so show you what it means that he offers to you by hearing the words that I have just shared with you or will share with you. He is the light of the world, and he gives the light of life. There is a darkness that we're walking in and he says, I can take you out of that darkness I offer to you, that darkness of slavery and slavery to sin and that you will be condemned and you will die in, you'll, you'll go to your death in your sins and I will bring you out to life. He's gonna describe this in this book and he does throughout He offers eternal life for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish. (laughs) Even though he knows every human being will die until he comes. They'll die at a physical death. They will not perish eternally, but have everlasting life. Eternal life. Life freed with truth. Now for all those that receive what he offers, they receive the truth. They receive him who is the truth, the person who is the truth, and they receive from him truth that sets us free. It frees us. It rescues us. We, 
We're so prone to believe constantly all the lies of Satan who just continues to lie to us about who we are, about what this world means, about who Jesus is, and about who God is. And we buy those lies to our devastation and destruction. And when Jesus comes into our lives, he provides a life and a light and shows us what it's all about. He rescues us from our old father, from sin and its seductive bait that hides the hook every time, keeping us in the slavery of our darkness and of our selfishness and of our pride and our rebellion to God. We were never, ever, ever meant to be our own rulers. It's a bad thing to be our rulers. We will just mess ourselves up and destroy ourselves. We are meant to submit to the ruler of the universe, God, and Jesus brings us freedom This Jesus, who is the light of life, offers forgiveness of sins and the freedom from the slavery to sin. We don't have to do what we wanted, we always wanted to do, but we're kept in our sins. He changes our desires as we come to the truth. Jesus, this truth that he offers to us is not a ser- just a series of propositional facts of which we believe. It's a person, a person who goes deep into our heart by the new birth when we're born again by the Holy Spirit, and he abides in us. This light of life means that death is not the death of the believer. Yes, we die, but we will never see the death that eternal And the full righteousness of God's punishment against sinners. Jesus is the one who today, this morning, once again, offers to us life-giving light that guides us in darkness and sustains us in the midst of many waters. I wonder what they are for you and your facing. He moves us forward day by day, hour by hour, until we someday are with him in glory and The veil is removed and we see him in glory. Oh, Jesus is the light of the light and he offers to you the light of life. Whether it be we need the light of life to shine light across the lies of Satan so that we can see in this world, so that we can face the things that we're experiencing, whether that be dating or marriages or sex or health or dealing with our wealth or what is our purpose, or how to handle our children and friendships and grandchildren and thorny relationships and difficulties. And what do I do with trials? There are trials here. Why are they here on earth? I thought Jesus was in charge. He brings life and light to all things because of who he is. I pray that you'll see and long for what he offers and go after it with all your heart. So, Who is this that talks this way? And what does he offer? And what does it mean he says to follow him? Because he says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have what he offers. So what does it mean to follow him? He says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. John's gospel shows us that there are followers and there are followers In every church across America and the world, there are Christians and there are real Christians. 
There are believers and those who are true believers. And John's gospel is the same. There are those who are even labeled followers or even believers at a time, but proved to be fake. There are genuine followers like the disciples, except for Judas. Judas is one of the 12 who is a fake disciple, or at least a fake genuine follower of Jesus Christ, and he proves so in the end. There are genuine followers, and then there are those that take but are fake. And in John 6, that, that was last year, or I guess it would have been last year around Christmas, we find that Jesus said some really hard things like, I'm, I'm the bread of life unless you take my body, and t- unless you eat my flesh. And he's speaking in really hard statements because he knows they're just following him because they just want to get more food in their tummy. And they, d- they don't really care about Jesus. They just want what Jesus offers, material possessions. And, they, and when Jesus told them the hard truth, they couldn't handle it and they went away. And it proved that they weren't real. And Jesus says to Peter, so are you going to leave too? And Peter says, where else should we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. You see, what does it mean to follow him? It means to believe. It means to believe upon him. But it's a type of faith or a belief that is not just mentally agreeing about something about Jesus. It's a wholehearted trust and resting oneself on him saying, where else would I go? You are life. What does it mean to follow? It means to have faith in him. Verse 24, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So he must believe. He said that earlier. He said, as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, a picture of numbers when Aaron, they put the serpent on the wilderness because of the disease of pestilence, because of sin. And they looked to the serpent. They would live, look to God's promise. Jesus would be lifted up on the cross and whoever believed and looked to the son would live. He says this over and over again in the gospel of John. You must believe. He says it a different way in verses 31 and 32. He says, those who follow me, I believe he's saying here, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed, at least in their head, if you abide in me, if you remain in my word, he's going to say this in John chapter 15 as well, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. I think he's saying, not saying the way you earn becoming my disciples, Saved people, my, you want to get what I offer you? Earn it by remaining in my word. He's not saying that. He's saying the evidence that you are truly my disciples is if you abide in my word. You say you believe. You say that you believe. You've put your trust in me. You want to know whether it's true or not is if you remain in my word. If you remain following me, the It's going to get difficult, and is that faith real will be tested, and it will be proven true or false by if you remain in my word, continuing to follow me, and you will know the truth, 
And you'll see that truth, and it will come in your life. The Holy Spirit will abide in you. He said this in chapter 7. He says, whoever comes to me and drink and whoever believes in me will have in him a river of water, like a river of water coming to life in them. And he was referring to the Holy Spirit that would come in him to every believer that truly believes in him. He describes, what does it mean to follow him? Well, in verse 34, he says, truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Here's a negative way of saying it. He's saying that if you are practicing sin and not repentant of it and not turning of it, he, he talks about this in 1 John, if you are comfortable with sin and remain in sin, it's because you're a slave to sin. And ultimately, if you remain there, you prove that you are really a slave and not a son. But, the, but then he offers and he says, but the son can set you free. You see, the Pharisees, the many of the Jews that are talking to him, they were slaves of sin, their own desires, their own ways. Jesus is pointing the way and shining the light. Verse 51, Truly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will not see, never see Death. That sounds very much like the Sermon on the Mount when he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who sent me. Are you a follower of Jesus? To receive what Jesus offers, the light of life, you must, he says, you must follow him. Are you a follower or do you follow yourself? You're going to follow something, someone. Have you turned away from your sin? The, the default plan is you are walking in darkness. Have you turned and you have, are you, have you hollowed the light? Have you turned away from your sin? Do you believe in him? What evidence in your life shows that you believe in him more than the devil believes in his own existence? Do you trust in him? Do you love him? Not have you earned your salvation by being perfect or sinless or fighting sin, but have you shown evidence that the Holy Spirit really is at work in your life and you have a new father? And it's not the father who is a liar, but it is the father who made you and sent his son. Do you remain in his words? This chapter should make us, as we read this, ask the question, where am I? Is he really your Lord and Savior? Does, when I say Lord, does what he say in God's book, does his rules and commandments really matter to you so much so that you'll say, I need to obey him because he is my Lord. I trust in him. How foolish, how stupid it would be to not obey him. I am committed and called to love him and obey him. I, this should convict us. It convi should convict every one of us, all true believers, and, and I pray to those who are not believers yet, it would to drive them to Christ. It should drive us to our knees to cry out and say, oh God, thank you for your grace. Please, please help me to remain in your words. You may not feel worthy of following Jesus. I have good news for you. You're not and it's okay. Because those who are worthy, 
don't need a Savior. He offers grace. You may feel like your abiding in his words are too weak. Well, do you desire to do this? Do you desire to follow him? Do you desire to hear his word today and do you long to obey him? Pray that's the Holy Spirit drawing you, continuing to work in you, showing you that you are his. I call you today, this morning, this passage calls you to follow Jesus. And for some of you, maybe young or old, it would be for the first time you follow him. Believe that he is the only way. He is the light. He is the only life. By virtue of him being truly God, I am. By virtue of the one who came and paid for our penalty for sin, he died on a cross and he rose from the dead and he offers salvation and light and life to all who would have him. Repent of your sins and receive him. Come to him and drink, as we saw last week. He is the bread of life, or two weeks ago. He is the bread of life. Come and eat, and eat, and eat. So, so lastly, why doesn't everyone follow? That's one of the problems this John seeks, seeks to answer. Why doesn't everyone follow? We see that in chapter 6. Some aren't following, and the disciples are just struggling with, why is this not happening? Why aren't they all following you? Jesus says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. You see, they're walking in darkness, and they don't see the light. And they don't follow him because they don't see the light. We're going to see a blind man in the picture of this next week. John 1.11 says, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. John 3.19, this is judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hate the light, hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. Jesus is the light, and the disciples, who are supposed to be steeped in God's light, the truth, they're in darkness. And we find them arguing and debating and insulting and doubting Jesus, and ultimately they'll arrest and kill him. And John says, whoever follows me does not walk in darkness. The reality is we walk in darkness until we see the light. And when we see the light truly, it transforms us. The reason we and so many do not follow the light, well, I could just point them out to you because that's all I'm going to do. Verse 15, they judge according to the flesh like the Pharisees did. Or verse 19, they know not Jesus nor the Father. Or verse 23, they're of the world. We're of the world. They will die in their sins, verse 24. They practice and are slaves of sins, verse 34. His words, his word finds no place in them, verse 37. They do evil works like their father does, verse 41. They can't bear to hear Jesus' word, verse 43. They're like their father, the devil, a murderer who stands, who does not stand in the truth, and no truth is in him, verse 44. Ultimately, they don't believe him, verse 45. Jesus said in John 3, whoever believes in him, he says, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in 
is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. I, I want to end with, I, get, I, just, I put four points here, but they're really just like four truths, what we must see in this passage. Let, let's see in this passage, we must see the wretchedness of our sin, the wretchedness of, I should say, our darkness. Our darkness that we live in is enslaving, it's against Christ, it's going to bring judgment, and we're blind. We're in darkness and we don't even know we're in darkness. To use Paul, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, in which we once walked according to the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is in work in the sons of disobedience. We once all lived in this, in the passions of our own flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, friends. Until Jesus comes and rescues us, we are in the wretchedness of darkness. We have no... If you see the light today, it's not because you just chose to see the light you might, from your human perspective, you did. But in reality is something greater came upon you and took you out of the blindness. In my illust- corny illustration at the very beginning, I did not get out of that dark room. I needed someone to come in and open and bring me to the light. And it was a very personal presence that brought me to the light. But we need to understand that we are in the wretchedness of our darkness. Do you know what your condition is? Do you know that your condition, until something radical happens to you to bring you out of the darkness? Oh, it should make us, first of all, if we are saved and in the light, we should today go, oh, Father, thank you. As I look at these, this story, I would just be like the Pharisees. I would be like the Jews in the story. I do not point my finger at them and say, oh, how terrible. I would say that would just be me apart from the grace of God. I would not believe if it wasn't for you. Oh, I am in darkness. And do you not know that your family members or your friends or maybe you are in that same darkness and do not need a finger pointed at them but pity and prayer and the truth, the light continually presented to them. You never would have figured out that you were in darkness. Secondly, the glory, not only the wretchedness of our darkness, but the glory of his light. Oh, that we would see, if you and I would see by his spirit, the beauty of Jesus Christ on the pages of this book, especially in the Gospel of John. Jesus, who says, I am the light of the world. And we would see that his beauty, the beauty of his light that brings life, comes, and to those that receive it, they look at him and go, I have found what I was looking for all my life. His beauty is of the kind that is efficacious. It is a beauty that makes lovely. Doesn't just love lovely, it makes lovely. It gives life. It sets free. It gives sight, as we'll see next week. Oh, that you would see there is a glory of the light. Those who believe in Jesus are recipients of God's grace. They see because they had their eyes open to true beauty. And oh, I pray that you and I will see 
Jesus that way this morning and every day. Pray that you will see the Son of God high and lifted up. He is the glory of God. He came as the light of the world. There is no one more beautiful than Jesus, more comforting than Jesus, more forgiving and more accessible and more gentle and lowly of heart to receive sinners. Jesus does not find people that are just great followers and say, I can... I can work with this. He takes those in deep darkness and shines his glorious light and makes the chief of sinners into his people. He does that for us. Jesus would be lifted up on a cross. Such a strange way of being lifted up. Usually lifted up is an expression of exaltation. And yet he was stripped naked of his clothes and honor and was brutally beaten. He was hung on a cross, which is a place of horror, of torture and defeat. Satan has blinded the eyes of unbelievers, but Christ will break through. Oh, that you would come to Jesus, our Savior, for the first time this morning or for the 10,000th time you would continue to come to him and abide in his word. Come to him. He is the truth and he sets free. Are you enslaved? Come to him. And I, thirdly, I want you to just see the miracle of conversion. What we see here and we're going to see throughout this is there's a miracle. When you are saved, you went from absolute blindness and darkness to light in an inability and an enslavement to do anything to also all of a sudden set free. You go from darkness and blindness to a light that frees you and a sight that is new and life-giving. It's a miracle. Your conversion is a miracle. If you truly turn away from yourself and believe in Christ, something happens in your heart. That's why we pray for people to get saved. We pray for God to do what we could never do. We share the gospel we plead with them to follow Christ, but my pl- your response to just mere human pleading is nothing. It must be a work of the Lord. It must be the new birth that takes place and is described in John chapter 3. Because you see this conversion, which is a following now, no longer of self, but of Christ. It's a changing. It's a no longer being a slave to sin. It's a believing in his word. It's abiding in his word. He says to those who believe in his name, John 1, he gives the right to become children of God. They're born not of their own will, but of God's. John 6, 44, no one can come to me, Jesus says, unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Oh, the miracle Oh, I pray that you'd experience the miracle today by seeing the glory of Jesus. Or I pray that today you would rejoice in the miracle already have happened to you and it would cause you to again worship and be humbled. I conclude with this, the exclusivity of Jesus' claim. (laughs) I was taking a walk this, I think it was Wednesday with my father-in-law after the funeral, and we were talking about this passage, and my father-in-law says, boy, Jesus is pretty bold here, and he makes some claims that he is very exclusive. And I said, yeah, he really is. 
See the exclusivity, exclusivity of his claim? He says, I am the light of the world. Because you take it two ways. I'm the light. There's no other light. He says, I am the way, John 14, 6. There's no other light. There is no other way. And the world needs it. And all the world needs it. He is not flexible here. He makes it very clear that the only way out of darkness and of death is himself as the light of life, and he provides it. Jesus is the light of life. He gives life. He gives light to all who follow. He delivers us from our darkness. Young teenager, will you follow or will you remain in darkness? Mother or father here, will you follow the Lord and be freed or will you continue down your futile path of enslavement? Senior, will you follow him and abide in the truth or will you persist in your own ability to find light in life? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us. Oh God, help us as we respond to truth one way or another. Either we're going to suppress it, ignore it, or we're going to say yes to it. We're going to worship you. We're going to trust and respond. Oh God, I do pray there wouldn't be one response of unbelief or apathy or disinterestedness in the truth here. Oh God, make us worshipers of Jesus. Oh God, help us to love Christ. Help us to love the one who sent Christ the Father. Father, we pray that we love you. Oh God, thank you for rescuing us out of darkness and bringing us into light. Oh God, thank you for the blindness that was healed and sight that was given. Now God, I pray as we conclude with this final song, I pray God that we would rejoice. We'd make the song a testimony of praise. Hallelujah, all I have is Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we conclude to sing?